Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. First, it was Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Now, it's Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. We've got another all-Oklahoma quarterback battle coming up this week. That Eagles defense is going to test Murray. We'll get into some of the numbers. But first, the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 372, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So the magic number this week, MJ, is five, as in five sacks from Hassan Reddick and five times this season, the Arizona Cardinals have had a player of the week honor. And yes, Hassan Reddick, the NFC defensive player of the week. Not a surprise, although there was a part of me, MJ, because of what Chase Young had done on Sunday, the sack, forced fumble, fumble recovery for a touchdown. I thought maybe, by the end of the day, we talked about it with Bertram Berry on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. When you get to four sacks in a game, that's one thing. But five, that's a whole nother level. Well, and not only that, but it's a franchise record, okay? The Cardinals have been around for a long time, whether it was 14 or 16 games, and you've had one of the best pass rushers, you know, over the last couple of years, you would have thought Chandler – uh, would possibly get five. I mean, I'm not comparing them. It's 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 a, it's a career game for any individual. But Lawrence Taylor never got five. Bruce Smith never got five. I mean, I can go through down the list now. Derek Thomas obviously uh, he had seven in one game, and I want to see he had six and a half, maybe six in another game. So he still owns those records. Bless his heart. But but also the force fumbles. I mean, you you can get five sacks. Okay. And I think he has 50 tackles on the season, but it's the force fumbles. And he agreed with what we kind of alluded to on Monday and Tuesday, and that was Marcus Golden setting the entire tone for the entire game. Going back to New York, facing his former team and the Giants, and we talk about the energy that Marcus Golden brings to the team. Everyone feeds off of that, and yeah. He set the tone is why he was one of those players who received a game ball from head coach Cliff Kingsbury. And now with Reddick, as he said, it's been, quote, hectic since Sunday. His family and friends are, quote, blowing up his phone. He's done a number of interviews. I'll say it again. We said it Sunday, said it Monday, said it Tuesday. I'll keep saying it because he deserves all of this right now. And you can enjoy it, but I think just from his facial expressions and how he interacted with the media earlier today post-practice over Zoom, you kind of get the sense that he's already kind of mentally turned the page, wants to turn the page, because this is another important game coming up against the Eagles. But yeah, you can still enjoy, especially after this morning's announcement, that he is the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah, but now people are expecting you to get a couple sacks. And so, I mean, listen, he should relish in it. I mean, he's gone through a lot. We know that he's got a lot of support from Vance, Cliff, Steve, um, and his teammates. So that goes a long way. But, you know, um, he's, he wants to finish strong. I mean, he's going to be a free agent. I mean, they're going to go back to that game and say he can rush the passer. 
And, and the Cardinals are going to have some tough decisions and we'll get into in the off season. Cause you know, Chandler Jones, the first time he was going into a season at 30, he'll be 31 next year. He's coming off a, a torn ACL. I would think he's the number one priority. And then you still have Kennard on the contract. Um, you know, again, some veterans are going to get squeezed. We'll find out, you know, in the off season. And then Marcus Golden and Reddick are free agents and you can't pay everyone. And, you know, I was talking to somebody earlier and, the cap's going down 11.7%. So it's going to, the floor is 175. So some veterans are going to get squeezed. So it'd be unfortunate if both of these guys have to take one year deals because we know the cap has gone up at least 10 million every year. The new TV contract will kick in. You'll have 17 game schedule and they could add another playoff team. So a lot of money involved here, but it's not going to happen overnight. So that's a conversation for the off season, but he's put himself in position um, to obviously, you know, Warner, uh, outside interest. Now, I asked someone, could he play in a 4-3 defense outside linebacker? He said he could, but he's more of a 3-4 outside linebacker, you know. And you, so we can eliminate 16 teams there, Craig, because half the league is playing 4-3 and half the league is playing 3-4. So, you know, and, and he, he he's well-liked. He likes the coaching staff. Uh, I think he knows that this is a good opportunity. Anybody playing opposite of Chandler Jones, so we'll just have to wait and see how the chips fall. But as you pointed out, it's a great dilemma to have. And he earned himself a little bit extra cash on Sunday because five sack performance is one thing, but it's the magical number of 10 sacks this season. Double digits. That seems to resonate not only with the fan base, but opposing teams as well. You get the double digits in the sack category, and then all of a sudden it's you're looked at a little bit differently. And I just wonder how that might affect things this offseason. Reddick, a free agent. Golden, a free agent. You got Chandler Jones going into the last year of his contract. You signed Devon Kennard, as you mentioned, and that right now is not looking like a great signing. Early on it was, but he isn't giving you the production that you had hoped this season for one reason or another. And if you're general manager Steve Kime in the Cardinals front office, you have a decision to make, and it has been brought up already with respects to Reddick because, shoot, you get five sacks in a single game. People are wondering, all right, what's his contract status, you know? <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like, well, you got to figure out what you're going to do. And the Cardinals right now, it's a luxury to have these kind of problems. You mentioned it. Everyone wants to be paid, and you can't pay everyone, yet sometimes your own backyard – is the perfect destination for you because of scheme and fits and knowledge and familiarity. Does Reddit get that opportunity somewhere else? And then in the background, which is not his personality, you got a guy, Dennis Gardick. Now they own his rights and we know that he's going to have a spot on the roster, whether he gets defensive snaps, which I think he should. I think Vance has done a nice job mixing them in the sub packages when they got to get to the quarterback, especially with a lead. Um, but he's definitely earned, you know, earned an opportunity to get more uh, reps. But also he's got a spot on the team just for special teams alone. One more note on Reddick. This is what he had to say with respects to how important and memorable that game is and will be for him the rest of his career and the rest of his life, really. Quote, the game means a lot. It's one for the history books. They can never take that day away from me. It's etched in stone with regards to setting the franchise single-game sack record. And as we discussed, the fifth player of the week honor this year for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, twice won Offensive Player of the Week. 
DeAndre Hopkins won Offensive Player of the Week, and Buda Baker won Defensive Player of the Week. Haven't had a special teams player of the week, MJ, but uh, this special teams unit over the past two weeks has certainly played very well. Yeah, and I did a quick uh, quick math, Niagara Falls math. I want to say there's 14 to 15 NFC West winners. Russell Wilson's won a couple times. Um, I think one of the kickers or punters, um, Jalen Ramsey may be in there, but uh, Cooper, I'm guessing I don't have it in front of me, but um, I know for a fact that there's like 14 or 15, and that just goes to show you, you know, how good the conference is now, you know, get to this point in the year, they're kind of beating each other up a little bit. Um, but the Cardinals are sitting in a spot where they can sweep the NFC East. And now, I mean, and again, no disrespect, but that's, they don't have a lot of great quarterbacks if you don't have Dak Prescott. Bird Gang, update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Hey, real quick, before we move on, I think it's important to mention that Reddick and, and Donald are the only players in the NFL this season with at least four sacks in the game. He's also just the fourth player in the last 11 seasons from 2011 to 20 to record at least five sacks in a game. And the first to do it since Atlanta, Adrian Claiborne had six in 2017. So he's in an elite category. It's some good company to be involved with some great players that Yao, his name is lined up next to. We talked about the five sacks, four on Daniel Jones, one on Colt McCoy. Now Reddick and his defense setting their sights on Jalen Hurts, who will make his second NFL start this Sunday when the Eagles come to town. More on the Eagles offense coming up on Thursday when we get a chance to hear from defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. But with regards to Hurts, once again, the storyline this week, at least part of the storyline, nationally and even locally is going to be the quarterbacks and the Oklahoma connection a year ago it was Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield now it's Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts the difference and this is a big difference is that Murray and Mayfield they had a relationship they had a friendship and with Murray and Hurts it's more of being a part of that Oklahoma family they don't know one another very well Murray was asked about Hurts and he met Hertz when Hertz first arrived at Oklahoma, but at that point, Murray was already working towards and getting ready for the NFL draft. So they didn't spend a lot of time with each other. They have not talked recently. And the thing that they share, of course, is Oklahoma and the head coach Lincoln Riley. They do MJ share a similar path, both from Texas as far as high school. Both began their college careers elsewhere before breaking out at Oklahoma. They are the only two quarterbacks in the NCAA FBS who have totaled at least 3,500 plus passing yards, 1,000 plus rushing yards, and 50 or more offensive touchdowns in a single season. Murray did that in 2018, Hertz in 2019. Yeah. I mean, you had three quarterbacks starting on Sunday that all went to uh, and played for Lincoln Riley. And I thought Baker Mayfield played really well. You know, unfortunately, they ran into Lamar Jackson at the end. Um, you got to give a passing grade to Hertz. He did fumble late in the fourth quarter, but his running style and the fact that he they were able to run the football, considering they've had, uh, uh, you know, a mash of injuries on the offensive line. And Miles Sanders, to me, is going to be the, the, the big uh, issue here because 
you know, you look what he was able to do. He had that 82 yard touchdown run. Um, but he's putting up yards every week. Matter of fact, he had a high 136 scrimmage yards last week, two touchdowns, including the 82 yard run is the only player in the NFL with three rushes of 60 yards this season. He has 75 yard scrimmage yards in four of the past road games. So they're also using him in the screen game to slow down that pass rush. So um, it's, it's kind of like uh, they also have Boston Scott. He may be more of a third down back like Brian Mitchell was, uh, but clearly they're going to run their offense. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see about some of these injured guys, but um, yeah, I, he's a guy you're going to have to keep in the pocket and, you know, force him to make some tight throws because um they didn't get a lot of pressure on him. And when they did, he was able to get rid of the ball. That was something Reddick mentioned earlier today as far as the key to beating the Eagles and Jalen Hurts is to limit his mobility, which Reddick called a weapon. Now, these are two quarterbacks that have similar weapons with their arms and with their legs. And this Sunday will be the second time that Murray and Hurts will have shared the field the 2018 Orange Bowl in which Tua Tungabailoa and number one Alabama beat Murray and the fourth-ranked Oklahoma Sooners in that game. So we'll see if Murray can have a little bit of revenge, if you will, on the pro level. So you're going to hear a lot this week about Jalen Hurts' second career start, first career start on the road, and that Oklahoma connection here. But the storyline for the Cardinals, MJ, is win this week and then focus on the following week because right now it's December football and everyone is looking towards January and the postseason. Yeah, you know, when you start reading these stats and it's only one starter, it reminds me of Kyle Murray, the way he played in the first couple of the games and the numbers he was putting up after half the season, even though the team didn't have a winning record. Jalen Hurts, he passed for 167 yards, touchdown, zero interceptions, 83.6 rating, had 100 um 106 rushing yards uh, in his first career start, joined Lamar Jackson as the only quarterbacks with 100 yards rush in their first career start in NFL history. So that's good company. Yeah, and Kyler Murray also has a 100-yard rushing game in his career, in fact, earlier this season. It's, it's rare when you can pass into triple digits and run into triple digits, and you're seeing two quarterbacks that might – be around for a long, long time. Of course, the Cardinals have their franchise quarterback. The Eagles need to kind of figure out what they're going to do with regard to the quarterback position. Before we get into what Murray is going to be facing defensively from the Eagles, what do you make, MJ, about Justin Murray now on the quote-unquote unofficial depth chart being listed as the starting right guard ahead of J.R. Sweezy, who is now the backup, at least according to this piece of paper, although it was Murray who got the start at right guard on Sunday at the Giants and then played left guard in the second half when Justin Pugh got hurt. I just think he's younger. He's a little bit more athletic. I think he's got a little more flexibility. I definitely like uh, J.R. Sweezy's toughness. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting, though, because if you look at the totality of the offensive line uh, since they've been playing six, seven, eight guys, and sometimes Josh Jones come in, Really, uh, Mason Cole's numbers haven't been as, as good as they were maybe um, during his rookie season when obviously the, the offense was just on the field, so to speak. But he was getting some help with guys next to him. So, um, you know, Murray doesn't snap. But 
I think they want to get their their top five guys out there without stating the obvious, but Murray's earned it. I mean, started 12 games, uh, played 14. He could play left, right guard. He could play uh, right tackle. And he's under contract for another year, so they're not forced to play Josh Jones right away. And, you know, Kevin Kelvin Beachman's played well. Seems like he likes it here. They like him. Um, so, I mean, you got some options, but I, I do think they want to put the best five out there. But that doesn't mean uh, they won't bring in Sweezy on maybe short yardage. I mean, I, again, you don't want to tip your hand, but they are, they're all a little bit different. But you give this team credit over the last game, at least. Pass protection much better and run blocking much better. And I f- they feel like if we can get five or six guys that can do that, that's who they're going to roll with. We saw Murray start at tackle last year in a pinch because Marcus Gilberts got hurt and he excelled. And you talked to the offensive lineman a year ago and they listed Justin Murray as the MVP. He was that good and was kind of like the unsung hero of 2019. Now here he is at the guard position and it's either right guard or left guard and I don't know if it's as big of a difference between left tackle and right tackle where you talk about that transition, like DJ Humphreys, you know, you got to do things completely different interior. I don't know the differences. I haven't had a chance to talk with Justin Murray about it, but I'm guessing there's some differences, but you're right there next to the center and that interior push from opposing defenses you got to make sure that you're on your P's and Q's. And it certainly sounds like the Cardinals, at least at this point, like what Murray does better than J.R. Sweezy. Yeah, and teams have a tendency to run to the right side. I know we want the Cardinals running backs to run up the middle, um, north and south, instead of trying to bounce out to the outside, get to the second layer, then, hey, uh, find the the open grass and run. So, um, yeah, I I just think – and a lot of times, you know, we talk about, you know, the Cardinals and it seems like these teams now have two pass rushers. So – I think your, your left tackle has to have better feet. He's got to be a little bit more athletic. The other one is more of an anchor. And, and a lot of times they'll put their other uh, pass rusher, maybe he's better against the run. And so that's, that's a matchup that I think Murray um, can win. And, and the Cardinals, have, uh, they're not afraid to bring in an extra tight end or an extra lineman to get him some help. So, yeah, I, I think it's the right – I just think of the athleticism um, when it comes to Murray – and I'm a big J.R. Sweezy fan. I mean, the fact that the guy plays every snap and, you know, now it's it's a little bit different. But he just brings us some physicality. And I noticed that when he was in Seattle. Yeah, here is what Kingsbury had to say about Murray earlier this week. Quote, we've always felt that he could slide in there and start at a high level, whether it was tackle or guard regardless. And then he added that Murray works his tail off and is well-liked in the locker room. And he has one of those stories which we've seen a couple of different times with the Cardinals and other places where you bounce around, you can't really hang on with any one team yet at somewhere along the way it clicks and you end up finding a home. And right now, knock on wood, hopefully Justin Murray has found that home with the arrows and the Cardinals. Again, this is all on paper bird gang, but when you do see a change on the game notes and the depth chart, it does raise an eye a little bit because well, Maybe something is being said because these death charts are out not to break any news, but to help the radio broadcast, the television broadcast, the opposing media to get to know who your team is playing that week. So it is noticeable. Yet I also say earlier in the season, Andy Isabella was listed as the punt returner 
and it was Christian Kirk who became the punt returner. So sometimes you can read into it. Other times you can't. My guess is you can read into this one. Yeah, I mean, it's done by the PR staff, um, but it's not like they're putting a third string uh, player as as a starter. And it's fluid. I mean, I think we were all interested when the first one came out, where Isaiah Simmons was listed. Um, You're you're also, we, we see who's returning punts and kicks, but we have to wait for that first preseason game and this year we had to wait to week one, um, you know, because they, they usually have four to six guys uh, competing for that. When you get down to 53, it's, it's really one or two. So it, to me, it's it's informative, um, but it's not the Bible. It's not it, it can change in a heartbeat. First play of the game, somebody goes down and it, again. Uh, I'd rather play 50 snaps than play uh, be a starter. Um, and I know it means a lot to be a starter, but a lot of times teams will start off in a different formation. So you may not get the start. So, um, for the most part, I, I just think, you know, I trust Cougs and, and, uh, I like what the offense did, you know, I was talking to Wolf today as we were both getting tested and, you know, I, I really liked the stepping up in the pocket, the pistol, um, getting outside the pocket, you know, flushing out, getting Hopkins moving around. So I think there's built things to build on. And I, I really like this matchup against this Eagles defense. I know they're physical under Jim Schwartz. Um, they played They played to the whistle. Um, they've had penalties this year, very similar to the Cardinals, bonehead penalties. So uh, I think Kyler hit it on the head. They got to get off to a fast start. Yeah, Kyler doesn't really give a whole heck of a lot when you ask him about the opposing defense because in his mind it always goes back to what we do as an offense, and I like that mentality. Sometimes, though, you would like to hear what the quarterback has to say about, you know, the defensive line or the linebackers or the secondary. But that's what we're here for on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Before we get into that offense-defense matchup, Bergang, the Arizona Cardinals want to give you the chance to win great prizes like autographed footballs and some new gear during the holiday season. Visit azcardinals.com 12 days Come back daily and enter to win a new prize each day through Christmas Eve. Again, that is azcardinals.com slash 12 days. It is week 15. Cardinals host the Eagles on Sunday. 2.05 is the start time. That means 9.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And I'm going to go back to something that you have said since Sunday, MJ, when you looked at the offense with respects to the Giants defense you bring up the number 43 as far as the number of rushing attempts the Cardinals have I'm going to amend that just a little bit because remember the kneel downs at the end of the game that counts as a rushing statistic so really the number is 40 for 164 yards let me say that again Cardinals rushed the ball 40 times for 164 yards and if they can keep that up beginning this week and then on to the following week and potentially into the playoffs, then all of a sudden I think that is when this offense really is able to get into a rhythm, get into a flow, because if you can control that line of scrimmage with your run game, then as we say, it's cliche, but the run does open up the pass. Yeah, and, you know, Kyler Murray, was uh, he had 13 attempts, three kneel downs, so 10 carries. I, I don't know if that's the magic number. I know statistics back it up, how many yards he gets and how many carries, but I like the fact that he was running in the middle of the field. Um, you know, sometimes he starts to twirl a little bit, and, and he can outrun that first guy, and then the angles they take, he gets to the sidelines. But 
uh, I, I saw a lot of improvement. Um, again, you can't change your scheme during the season, but you can make tweaks, and I think they showed that. Um, but give the offensive line credit. Uh, I thought the defense has carried this football team, you know, for a little while during that losing streak. Uh, they could have played better, especially against the run. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the offensive line, uh, they have made it take it personal that during that three games. It wasn't like he was sacked a ton of times. It was just the pressures, the, the hits, and him, you know, he was holding the ball a little bit, so that's on him. But uh, this offensive line looks like they're back and they're motivated, and then they hear it. You know, when you lose three in a row, um, you're not scoring a lot of points. Well, it starts up front. Well, the Cardinals, even with their struggles over the past three weeks before the Giants game, they do average still almost five yards a carry. It's 4.9 to be official. That is sixth best in the league. Kyler Murray, Chase Edmonds, Kenyon Drake, I mean, they all have good rushing totals. Murray averages 6.2, Drake 4.2, and Edmonds 4.9. If you can get all three of those, and I admit Mike Jarecki has said it constantly, you have to account for Murray when you talk about this Cardinals rushing attack. And if all three of those are working, then this entire offense is working. It can't just be Murray by himself because I think his dynamics – when you have an opposing defense looking at the Cardinals offense, you have to account for number one. And I think that just makes it more easier for a Drake or an Edmonds to certainly get up and do what they have to do. And specifically for Drake with those 80 yards against the Giants. Yeah, I went back and looked, Craig. Um, I probably should have done it last week. You know, 12 games, you know, three quarters of the season, but, you know, 13 games. And, you know, last year rushing, he had 77 carries for 448 yards, average about 5'8 uh, per carry, he had four rushing touchdowns. This year, after 13 games, he has 115 rushes, 712 yards, 6.9 per carry, and he has 10 rushing touchdowns. Now, he has seven fumbles, lost three, um, but night and day. Now, we talked about you know, he's sitting right now at 3,231 yards. So we'll see if he gets to 4,000. We'll see if he gets to 1,000 yards rushing. I know those were projections when he was in that MVP race. But it, just the fact that he he's that dual threat. And if you watch the Monday night game with Lamar Jackson and, you know, you've seen some other quarterbacks. We'll see another one this weekend and Jalen Hurts. Um, just having that dual threat, it, it, it's it's – I mean, I can't emphasize it enough. It, it creates so much opportunity for an offense. Now you got to block and you got to get separation and you got to get off press coverage. Um, but to me, there's a reason why his numbers are much better and, and they have more of a win total than they were at this point last year. Kyler Murray is back to being Kyler Murray. If you look at what he did on Sunday, now it's okay. You did it against the giants. Can you do it against the Eagles and this Eagles defense 24th against the run, ninth against the pass, but they are banged up, especially in the secondary. But you look at that Eagles defensive line and you talk about the offensive line controlling the line of scrimmage. The Cardinals offensive line is in for a test this week because that Eagles defensive line, they've accounted for 36 of the team's 43 sacks this season. They are one of the better defenses in the league at getting after opposing quarterbacks. And they're physical. They are. You better bring your hard hat. To me, it's just the NFC East. I mean, again, I'm not crazy about all the quarterbacks. 
Um, you know, we'll wait and see, uh, you know, how it all shakes out. But, you know, playing in the NFC's weather-wise and just it's a physical division. So not a surprise. But, you know, you look at their front four, you know, you got Derek Burnett. He was a first-round pick in 2017. They went out and got Javon Hargrave from the Steelers. He was a free agent pickup. Of course, Fletcher Cox, first-round pick in 2012. Brandon Graham, first-round pick in 2010. You know, you look at uh, Vinny Curry. He was a second-round pick in 2012. Um, then, he, you know, you look at some of their um, uh, free agent addition. Duke Riley, he's a linebacker. He came from Atlanta. They are starting a young guy in Sean Bradley. He was a six-round pick. And then Alex Singleton, um, he was a free agent from San Francisco in 2019. I mean, these guys are tackling at the line of scrimmage. So, um, you know, you know, Kugler obviously has gone against uh, Jim Schwartz and uh, Doug Peterson in the past. So, It'd be interesting, but they they're really physical and they and they and they and they try to put um, pressure on you with stunts, twists. They're not just going to rush up field. They're going to try to get their best players on some of your lesser linemen, and I, I would think they would try to attack uh, the interior with Mason Cole. Graham seven sacks, Cox six and a half sacks, Sweet six sacks. But then you look at the tackles for loss by defensive linemen. Graham has fourteen tackles for loss. By comparison, Hassan Reddick leads the Cardinals at thirteen, but he's an edge rusher. Here you're talking about someone with their hand in the dirt in Brandon Graham, and in Fletcher Cox, ten and a half tackles for loss. That shows me that they're getting off the line of scrimmage very, very quickly and they know where they need to be, and all of a sudden, that's putting offenses behind the sticks. And we know the Cardinals operated so successfully on Sunday against the Giants because they stayed ahead of the chains. They didn't have a lot of negative plays. There were only eight if you include the one sack of Kyler Murray. So as Murray said, looking at this Eagles defense, he talked about staying on schedule and just executing you know, you can make that claim every single week, and, he's, and it's true. It's accurate. But that might be more so this week just because of how aggressive that Eagles defensive line is. Yeah, and we'll find out more about their secondary. We, we know that Darius Slay, uh, they, they paid him a lot of money um, and made a trade. And, uh, you know, he got abused against D.K. Metcalf, and we've seen a lot of guys happen to that except for Jalen Ramsey and Patrick Peterson. I'm glad you mentioned Josh Sweat. He had two sacks and a forced fumble last week, his first career two-sack game. Uh, Javon Hargrave had two sacks in his second career uh, forced fumble last week. And I talked about Singleton. He led the team in tackles. He has 10-plus tackles in four of his five games, and he's going for four in a row. So, um, again, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Buda Baker and Chris Banjo leading the team in tackles. Well, when you look at their front seven – they lead their team in tackles. And, and, it's, and it's not just one guy. Like, you know, Hicks is always, you know, tackling Buddha uh, now that Banjo's getting a rough. Uh, and then Brandon Graham, as you mentioned, he leads the team in seven sacks. His third season with seven sacks. He has three and a half sacks and nine tackle for losses in his past five against Arizona. So he's very familiar with the Cardinals. By the way, a sneak peek as far as the Cardinals kickoff magazine that will be up and digital for this week, DJ Humphreys, Brandon Graham, the matchup to pay attention to here in week 15 and uh, both very similar stories. So um, can't be at the game, but you can certainly do as much as you can while watching from your living room, your couch or with uh, 
friends and family, socially distanced, of course. Well, I mean, you, you didn't get yourself any uh, credit there. I mean, you're the one that comes up with the matches. Was there any other matchup that you thought? I mean, if they would have had a number one wide receiver, you possibly against Patrick Peterson, but we know that the game is going to be won with their front seven and the Cardinals offensive line. So I think you made the right choice. And again, uh, Brandon Graham, um, he does, they, this team, I mean, honestly, they don't take plays off. I mean, even on a 10 play drive, but, uh, when they're in that game on, uh, on Monday night or Thursday night, I mean, uh, you know, that teams was moving the ball down the field and they had some penalties and obviously a couple PIs on slay cause he was getting abused, but, um, they 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 don't they don't take any plays off and you hate to say it about any team but sometimes you know you got to get your hand up hit your helmet and, you know I want to I want somebody to rotate me but uh, they seem like they all get along and I think they all have their hand in the same pile and you know they're trying to stay in the race right here and I th- I do think that they got a spark with Jalen Hurts and I wonder how much you know we spent all this time talking about the Cardinals and the uh, need to run the football and establish the run. But you look at what this Eagles team is going through right now in the secondary. Darius Slay in concussion protocol. Avante Maddox and Rodney McLeod have already been ruled out for this game. In fact, McLeod is done for the season after tearing his ACL against the Saints game. And Maddox, he too has a knee injury and won't play this week. Three of your four starters in the secondary, if Slay is unable to go, all of a sudden now you've got a weak point when you look at the film can Kyler Murray DeAndre Hopkins Larry Fitzgerald Christian Kirk whomever Dan Arnold Max Williams you name it do the Cardinals have an advantage this week as far as throwing the football just because of the lack of depth in the Eagles secondary you're a starter for a reason and right now the Eagles could be minus three of their four starters in the secondary yeah, and you look at, you know, uh, you look at McLeod, he's a free safety. They got Kayvon Wallace. He was a fourth-round pick in 2020. Um, after Jalen Mills, who was a seventh-round pick in 16, Rudy Ford's listed. We know he doesn't really play a lot on, on defense. And then you have Galen Arnold. He was a college free agent in 2020. So, uh, Nikhil, um Roby Coleman, he's more of their nickel corner. Um, so you're right. I mean, it's very similar to um, when they, who was the team? Was it the, uh, the team had a couple, oh, it was the, um, gosh, the Dolphins, was it the Dolphins game? They No, because they had Howard and Jones. I just remember there was a game where both of their corners were down and I thought the Cardinals should attack that. And, and so if this happens, yes, definitely, definitely. And, you know, again, if they're, mixing and matching with their secondary a miscommunications, even though some of these guys clearly have been there um, B would be um, that's where you have to target. And, and I think Dan Arnold will be a great matchup because, you know, nothing against our linebackers, but we talk about mismatches and safeties. If you got a backup safety in there and he's a rookie, um, I would think Dan Arnold could be a weapon in this game. Now you look at the overall numbers as far as this Eagles pass defense. They are very good. They're top 10 overall this season, and that's why they've been in some of these games. Now they haven't won a lot because the offense hasn't done what they needed to do. But this week, just forget about the numbers weeks 1 through 14. Just pay attention to what this Eagles team might look like here in week 15 with respect to that secondary. And if you don't have a number one corner, you're down a couple of safeties 
you know, do you have to where, you know, we always see Murray in the shotgun anyway, but do you look to throw the ball more, at least early on, to provide a test? And if the Eagles pass the test, then fine. Then you start to, you know, you go to plan B or plan C. But come out of the gate, perhaps, you know, maybe it's wishful thinking on my part, but come out and just start throwing the football around, especially if you know going into this contest that they are going to be without at least two starters, potentially three. It was the Buffalo game. Josh Norman, COVID, and then Levi Wallace, uh, who went to Alabama, grew up in Tucson. So they were missing basically their nickel and number two corner, Trent Davies White, played in that game. And that was the game that we thought, you know, they got the backups and they had a couple of coaches that were on the sidelines. So that was the game I was referring to was the Bills game. Well, in that game, Kyler Murray was able to throw for 245 yards, but you would have thought because of that secondary issue, you would have been able to get away with a little bit more. He did have one touchdown, one interception, but he rushed for two touchdowns too. So look, you can have a plan going in, and if you have to adjust, then you adjust. That's just part of coaching on the sidelines every single Sunday. Yeah, and so – you know, one thing I um, tweeted out this morning, and you were out there the very first day for the rookie mini camp. And the first thing that stood out to me is, first of all, you know, Cliff spends 24-7 with him on the practice field, is that how fast his release is. Talking about morning, Murray? Yeah. And, you know, maybe over the last couple of weeks on a Wednesday, I didn't see him initially in the open portion. He was on the field, but I didn't see him in the open portion. So I don't think we can talk about the shoulder anymore. His velocity and his quick release, it's back. He's running, it's back. So, um, and I know people in hockey after the year, well, the guy had, um, you know, an ACL and they taped it up with duct tape. You hear all these injuries. You know, I think people are saying, well, if we hear at the end of the year, it was worse than we thought. Uh, There's an excuse built in. But watching him practice the last couple of weeks, just in the open portion, the velocity's there, and the way he's running, at least in the previous game, I don't think he's thinking about the shoulder at all. So I think we can put that to bed. Well, that's good news, especially this late in the season. You want to be playing your best. You want to be at your healthiest. And we know there's bumps and bruises. But the healthier teams, they're the teams that survive and advance and get to the postseason. And speaking of health, MJ, you got one more? I think, Craig, when we look at teams that get into postseason, you have to be lucky sometimes. You can't have your star quarterback, your pass rusher, your corner go down. So being healthy at this time of the year goes a long way. Not to say anyone's 100%, but I do like the fact that Kyle Murray's practicing. I see the velocity. I see the, the strength in his arm. And the fact that he's been able to run, I think that the Cardinals are really um, – you know, and uh, happy about to where he's at to end the season where last year we know he wanted to play all 16 games and he had a hamstring injury. Along those same lines, as far as getting healthy, the Cardinals earlier today did announce that tight end Darrell Daniels and defensive lineman Josh Morrow have been designated to return. So now they are able to practice. They've got that three-week window. We've been talking about this a lot, and I hope this short-term IR stays around as far as the number of players you're able to bring back, even though they've got to miss at least three weeks. But Daniels is back, at least able to practice, and Morrow is back, at least able to practice. We'll see if they're activated to the active roster this week or next week or this season. But now you've got three tight ends, potentially, 
And then with that defensive line, with Jordan Phillips already ruled out for this week, if Morrow is back, that gives you six. You do know you've got five already. And, of course, that defensive line was hit real hard about midway, the midway point of the season, and guys would come off IR and go on IR, and there was so much shuffling. But now you might be able to say that they are at their healthiest, minus Phillips, yes, but the healthiest they've been all season. Yeah, reinforcement for depth. Uh, you know, I think Darrell Daniels has made strides. Um, you know, he does play on teams. Uh, he had that uh, unbelievable uh, catch that he was able to, you know, take the ball from the defender. Great throw from Kyler. Um, but I think he's improved. Um, you know, if they want to run, you know, 12 personnel, third, uh, 21 personnel, I mean, and then Josh is very similar to Marcus Golden, where he just, you know, he doesn't take a playoff. And so he brings energy and, you know, he's not afraid to stick his nose in the fan. So it's really more reinforcement uh, when it comes to depth and you can get a better rotation. Um, nothing against, you know, uh, uh, you know, the tight ends on the roster currently. But I, I think Daniels is a better fit when it comes to the blocking. Yeah, he and Max Williams provide the protection and also block. And Dan Arnold's more of that receiving tight end working hard to be a better blocker he wants to become a better blocker he wants to be a complete tight end but as far as where they all stand max williams is probably the best all around and daniels is ahead of arnold as far as blocking but arnold is ahead of daniels as far as the catching ability at that position yeah and, and and kyler i mean besides him maybe running the wrong route which led to a three and out or maybe a turnover and you know they had words um, but Kyler does throw the ball to him. And to me, it's that quick pop pass, you know, like if he's getting rushed and he's got the body uh, to basically break a tackle. So uh, I like that where you from one to three, you, you're comfortable putting all three of those guys in the game at any point. So we'll keep an eye on Daniels and also keep an eye on Morrow as far as they get activated ahead of Sunday's contest. One other note you have until tomorrow, December 17th, Bird Gang, to vote for your favorite Cardinal to the Pro Bowl, NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. The 2021 Pro Bowl will be virtual this season, thanks to EA Sports Madden NFL 21, but it does still count as far as a player saying, yes, I was a Pro Bowler in 2020, and voting by the fans before the players and coaches have their say runs through December 17th. Again, it's NFL.com slash Pro Bowl vote. All right. And once again, give uh, Cardinal fans a ton of credit because in previous years, uh, they're always wondering, well, how come we don't see our guys on the list? And maybe some of the Texans voted for Hopkins. Who knows? I mean, probably just in spite of Bill O'Brien. But Thank you anyways. Um, but they did really did a good job. And then 66%. Now, not to put you on the spot, over under on Pro Bowl players. Do you want to go three and a half? As far as who makes the initial list, DeAndre Hopkins will make the initial list. My thinking is Buda Baker will make the initial list. They both lead their respective positions as far as fan voting is concerned. Three and a half would be a good over under. I might have to lean towards... The under right now, and then you. What about Humphreys? Well, that would be three. Okay. Um, And then you need to get one more in there. Three is a good number. Four, I think you'd like to see. I just don't know. The other thing you might not have this year is because it's virtual, 
you're not going to have a bunch of guys dropping out. The only way you can get a oh, replacement yeah. is if, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'm guessing if you make it to the Super Bowl, obviously you can't quote unquote play in this virtual game. So would that be a replacement? Would that be the only replacement here for this Pro Bowl in January? Well, I, I was going to say Murray. I mean, I think players and coaches are going to give him votes. Murray could be that next guy. Um, you know, obviously Pew's had a good year, um, but you're, you're talking about, a, you know, right now a seven-win team. Um, so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how that tallies up where, you know, uh, I look at New Orleans and uh, their left tackle Armstead, and boy, did he get abused in that game against the Eagles. I mean, there's a lot of good left tackles in the NFC, a lot. NFL.com slash Pro Bowl votes, and you can do that now through December 17th. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.